But let's read verses 1 through 3 here in Isaiah 61 together. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Amen. Let's uh, remain standing as we pray this morning. Lord, I pray that you bless the reading of your word today. And we ask as the song has uh, been sung this morning, Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, and uh, Lord, I pray that uh, we would welcome you today so that people could say, yes, God is there in that church, God is there in that assembly, and uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to, to uh, be clean and to be pure, and uh, Lord, I pray that your church would be uh, something that brings you glory today, Lord. We thank you for the body of Christ here and, and uh, the body of Christ around the world. We thank you for every church in this, in this uh, country. Lord, we thank you for America and, and uh, what this country has meant to the world for so long. But God, you are, it seems that you are um, working in the world in a, in a different way, in a sense, where we are looking towards the end of this time. And uh, God, you are preparing very quickly, I believe, uh, for the return of Jesus Christ. The world is, is really at a, a, a breaking point. And God, of course, we don't know when the Lord's coming back. We don't know when that day will be. And, but we know it's going to be soon, Lord. And I do pray that you'd help us as a church to be pre- prepared by being pure. And uh, Lord, to uh, take it upon ourselves, this great responsibility uh, personal revival and of, of, of church-wide revival. I, I do pray that you bless in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated this morning and Luke chapter number 4. This morning we're looking at one more Old Testament prophecy of Jesus Christ. We read that in Isaiah 61. And uh, not only did he fulfill this prophecy when he was here on earth, While he was in his hometown, the Galilean city of Nazareth, he entered the synagogue and he read the Isaiah scroll. He read what we just read this morning. Isn't that awesome? And uh, he declared, after reading this, that he himself was the one that Isaiah was talking about. So Luke chapter 4, and we're going to read in verses 16 now, if you would go with me. And uh, we're going to be in this passage mostly. Uh, We'll be in... Luke 4, and then I'll look at John a couple verses there, but I'll come back to Luke 4. Reading verse 16 with me, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Okay, where was this? This is his hometown. Okay, and and as it was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood for to read. I'm glad he had a custom of going to a place of worship. It's important that we come to church, amen? And I don't think that's the point of this passage, but I'll just say that right there. Verse 17, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. You know, this is interesting because this is the first time that, um, at least we read in Scripture, that Jesus Christ, the embodied, uh, the Son of God, here he is, human flesh, speaking the words. And for the first time, this was him saying this. This is him saying, this is me that was appointed to do this work. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. When we read uh, this verse, of course, we understand it's not me. If I'm reading it, it's not me who God was writing about. This is Jesus, though. He truly was the one that God was upon and anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor and sent him to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And uh, I think that's important, that when you come to church, you read the Bible, you're there, you make it your custom to be in church, you read the Bible, and then you... Uh, then you listen to the preacher, okay? You put your eyes on the preacher. Again, that's not what this is really the point of this passage, but I'm just going to make this application. This wasn't in my notes. This is completely free this morning. In fact, this is the first time that I thought about this, so must be the Lord speaking, and, and uh, I don't know. But I'm just saying there's too much uh, checking email and unimportant things like sports scores that goes on in church, Facebook, all of that stuff can wait till after church. In this connected society, we are so disconnected with what's really going on around us, aren't we? And especially in this one hour a week where we set aside to hear the preaching of the word of God, we should come with great purpose to say, this is my time to listen to the Bible preached. It's important. And it's not because of the preacher, but it's because of what's being uh, presented. And so we see there, uh, verse number 21, <clears throat> after all the eyes were fastened on him, because he was Jesus Christ, and uh, he is uh, the guy that was from this town of Nazareth. You know, this is a homegrown uh, young man, one of their own. And he began to say unto them, this day, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? Now, Jesus did many of these miracles. We read about the miracles that Jesus is doing, right? Uh, and this is actually Luke chapter 4 in chronological order. No miracle had been performed yet, okay, by Jesus that we have recorded in this, in this book. Um, we see very shortly after here, there's quite a few miracles that are performed by Jesus. But uh, Jesus performed a lot of miracles. He did many miracles. And in all, there are 37 recorded, specific recorded miracles that we have in scriptures. I can probably find a few more than that. But, uh, but that number 37 has been used for a long time. 37 miracles that are attributed directly to Jesus. And Jesus reached out to those in need of healing. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, uh, you know, he gave sight to the blind, people had never seen before. They were uh, born that way. In John chapter 9, we read about a man from, from his birth. And the, 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 the people gathered there and said, well, why was he blind? Is it his sin? Is it his parents' sin? Whose sin was it? Why is he blind? And Jesus said the reason he was born blind is because God had 
uh, planned on showing himself great and, and powerful, that the glory of the Lord would be seen through the display of Jesus healing this man born blind. And Jesus did a lot of miracles. He reached out to those in need, but physical healing, my friend, is only temporary. Many times we focus so much on the physical in our shallow, self-centered, carnal world in our thinking, we focus so much on the physical healing that we lose sight of what Jesus' real purpose was. He came to bring spiritual deliverance, amen? He's the Savior, not from some physical disease. By the way, everyone that was healed in Jesus' day uh, or raised from the dead ended up dying physically again. But again, that's not why he was here. He wasn't here to abolish uh, on this, in, this, on, in his time here, abolish physical problems. He, those things were just used to show God's power. His purpose was to be the Savior. Uh, uh, that's his greater plan for you and for me. John chapter 4, and uh, you can hold your place here in uh, Luke 4, but John 4, and I'll look at verses 6, uh, I'm sorry, verses 46. The Bible says there, uh, So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. So we have a nobleman. This is guy, uh, an important guy, and his son is about to die. And he's right at that point of death. In verse 48, And Jesus said unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. <laughs> the nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down and heal, uh, ere my child die. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. See, he was coming uh, for, from Capernaum over to Cana, 16 miles away, and he says, Hey, Jesus, you need to come heal my son. He's about to die. I know you can heal him. And uh, Jesus said, Ah, you know, except you see miracles, you're, that's the only way you're going to believe, right? Uh, and the noble men said, come down. I believe. You can heal him. And he says, go your way. Your son uh, lives. And uh, he believed what Jesus had spoken unto him. Verse 51, and he was now going down. His servants met him and told him, saying, thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend and they said unto him yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him so the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which jesus said unto him thy son liveth and himself believed and his whole house this again the second miracle that jesus did when he was come out of judea into galilee this important man he believed that jesus could heal his son who was dying he believed. We see that the first time, then the second time we see that he believed again. The first time, I believe it was, hey, I believe Jesus can heal physically. The second time, yes, this must be the Messiah. This man is from God. He believed the Messiah. He had gone beyond the miracle and had gone to Jesus. So the point of the miracles was not to be wowed and impressed at, the, uh, at what Jesus could do, but to uh, get us to the greater purpose of why Jesus came, and that is to look at our spiritual need and to see, yes, this man can heal us physically, but he is so much more important than that because we might live another five years or ten years, but what happens after we die? Jesus came as the Messiah to bring spiritual healing. Praise God for that greatest miracle which he did. And um, 
He came as our Savior. John chapter 20. Now, if you would, a few pages back there, uh, John 20 and verse 30. And I want you to see a couple verses here. He says, uh, verse 30, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe. Of course, the Gospel of John only records seven miracles that Jesus did. Uh, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. That's the point of the miracles, to see who Jesus really is. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. And that we would believe in his name. Uh, go with me now back to Luke chapter 4. We'll continue reading there. We read up through 21, so let's read verse 22. The Bible says here, And all bear witness and wondered at the gracious words. Remember, here he is in the synagogue. He had stood up to read the Isaiah scroll, and then he sits down, and uh, here he is, the homegrown uh, young man. He'd been uh, one of their own and they bear witness and they wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and they said is not this Joseph's son isn't this the little carpenter uh, son this is this this is Joseph's son oh this is Jesus and um, and I think they were a little bit impressed in a sense but they remembered who he was and he said unto them ye will surely say unto me this proverb physician heal thyself Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, because he had done miracles in Capernaum, he said, whatever we've heard done there, do also here in thy country. And uh, it was only a demand when they said, uh, physician, heal thyself. It was only a demand that he would show the proper evidence to back up who he really was. If you're saying that, these words that Isaiah prophesied are being fulfilled in you, Jesus. Prove it. A phys- uh, he's saying, um, uh, you know, uh, physician, heal thyself. And uh, you need to show us evidence. Uh, why should we trust in you? Uh, as he proceeds to show him why he would not give him evidence, give them evidence. He says, uh, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel, and we'll continue on that in a second. But uh, he said, no prophet is uh, honored in his own country. Everywhere else, he has been honored more than at home. There they knew who Jesus was. They knew who his family was. They had seen his humble life. They had been his uh, friends. You know, these guys grew up with him. Uh, They were envious of his wisdom, but they were too proud to be taught by him. Uh, I think about Columbus. I read this somewhere uh, in relation to this text, but Columbus was not believed by his own countrymen in Genoa, Italy. Uh, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't accept him. They didn't want to get behind what he was doing. To, uh, and all of, the, all of the people in his country said, ah, you know, the earth is flat, basically. And, uh, and so Columbus ended up going to Spain and was sent out by Spain uh, to discover, uh, the, go to the West Indies or try to make his way around the world. In fact, uh, he didn't make it that far. He uh, made it to uh, the Caribbean or the, uh, the Bahamas, basically. And, you know, that sounds really good right about now. And, uh, and uh, get to the Bahamas. And uh, Mr. Columbus was not accepted in his own country of Italy. He went to Spain. Uh, many times the people that know us best 
sometimes don't accept us and uh, if they grew up with us. It's hard uh, for some to go back to their own home church and pastor their own home church where they grew up. And uh, I, I really didn't have a bad experience, but I probably uh, imagine there's, I've heard that there's some pastors that had a hard time uh, as a young preacher going back to their home church because everybody knew who they were. And uh, they knew, oh, we could tell you stories about this guy. And uh, this guy, yeah, he, we used to run with him. We used to get in trouble with him. And, uh, boy, he was bad. And especially if that pastor uh, grew up in that church as the pastor's son, and, uh, and like I did. And I'm sure some of you uh, had to uh, repress some things when I became the pastor. I'm so thankful for your graciousness. And uh, so I'm, I'm just going to say I'm blessed in that way. But, you know, a prophet is not without honor except in his own home country. And that's what Jesus was saying here. He had always been honored. He'd been honored in Capernaum. He'd been honored other places. But he comes back to Nazareth. Oh, here he is, the carpenter's son. And uh, Jesus calls attention here in verse number 40, I'm sorry, verse number 25, uh, attention to two cases where prophets, okay, Elijah, Elijah and Elisha, two prophets, were uh, not receiving very much honor in their own nation. And instead of honoring the people of their nation, they bestowed honor on foreigners. Okay, this is a really important, crucial part to this whole story. Verse number 25. But I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. I'm sorry, Elisha. And uh, when the heaven was shut up three I'm sorry, Elijah. Within three years and six months, uh, when great fam- uh, famine was throughout all the land, but Unto none of them was Elijah or Elias sent to save, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, sent except or save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. So you see, uh, verse 25, there were a lot of widows in Israel, (laughs) but who was he sent to? He was sent outside of Israel uh, to go get help, basically. God used somebody that was not an Israelite to help the prophet. Ooh, Uh, I think Jesus is kind of, not saying that he was being unkind to them at all, but he was kind of like saying, hey, you got you to understand, if you don't accept me here, I might just take this message somewhere else. And really that's what, what, what was going on here. And I'm so thankful that God's message and God's gospel and, and uh, God's deliverance and salvation is not just to the Jewish people. And Jesus came so that all people could be saved, amen? Salvation is of the Jews, but it's not just exclusively for the Jews. And, uh, and, but he's telling them, guys, listen, if you're not going to accept me, I'm going to tell you some things. There was a guy named Elisha, uh, 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 and, and Elijah. And then he says there's also a guy named Eli, Eli, uh, Elisha. And many lepers, verse 27, were in Israel in the time of uh, Elysius, or Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. Ooh, Syrian. And when they heard what Jesus was saying, they got very angry. Uh, look at what the Bible says in verse 28. And all they in the synagogue, all of them in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the Brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. <laughs> and uh, But he passing through the midst of them went his way. 
And uh, I would suggest to you that might be the very first miracle in Luke chapter, uh, chapter 4, the whole Gospel of Luke, uh, that Jesus passed through the midst of them. And uh, he was able to get out of that situation because it wasn't his time to die. And, uh, they, but they, they got so angry with him that they wanted to kill him. Uh, we, why did they get so angry? Two words. Two words. I'll give you these two words. Sidon and Syria. That's why they were angry with Jesus. God directed the prophet Elijah to the Gentile widow from Sidon. God could have used other widows, but God decided to use a Gentile. Sidon was a Phoenician city. It was located on the coast of the Mediterranean. Uh, Many times we hear of Sidon uh, named alongside its sister city of Tyre, Tyre and Sidon. And those places were wicked, wicked cities. Um, that, that whole area was given to Asher. When they divided up the, the 12 tribes, they gave them different areas and sections to, uh, to take over. And essentially, they were supposed to deal with all of the pagan idolatry in the land. But Sidon was a place that they never fully dealt with. And so that was always like the, the Achilles heel to the, the Israelites. Because they never dealt with the sin of Sidon, the, the idolatry always came back to haunt them. And it was a very, very wicked place. It was a port city. And you can imagine that coastal region, uh, there was a lot of sin involved in that city. Uh, That whole area uh, was called uh, Syrophoenicia. You had Sidon, okay? And then you had Syria, a little bit to the east of that area. And then all the way further, you could get to us, Syria, where Nineveh was. And these people, you know, the, the Jews, they did not like those people. Uh, those people had oppressed them. They had uh, done some horrible, wicked things to the, uh, the, the Jews. They didn't have much to, good to say about Sidon. Uh, to a Jewish audience in Jesus' day, the city of Sidon was just with wickedness. And Sidon came to hear Jesus preach. And later, Jesus traveled through Sidon, where many of the Jews were not really readily accepting of him because he didn't come to them in the way they wanted him to come. The Messiah, he, it wasn't exactly everything they were looking for. Uh, that, that is not a good thing, my friend. Obviously, uh, ingratitude, in a sense, like, this is God's plan for us? This is the Messiah? And, and also just carnality. It's not exactly what we're looking for. You know, God doesn't always work the way that we think he should work. God has his own agenda. God has his own plan for uh, saving the world. God has his own way of doing things. And it it doesn't matter what you think about God's plan. It's his plan. And we need to get get right with him and, and submit to his ways. Amen? And, and not be so, uh, so stubborn about wanting things our way. And God, you need to answer my prayer this way. And God, you need to fix this problem this way. No, my friend, God is allowed to do things however he wants to do. That's, that's why he's sovereign. He, he is in control. Yes, amen, praise God for that. But he's going to do things the way he's going to do them. Now, that doesn't mean we don't pray. We pray and ask God for him to work because he's commanded us to pray. And, and we can, I believe, uh, we can uh, 
not that we're, we're, we're able to control God at all, but prayer is just, is just submitting to God's plan and allowing God to work in our lives and being open to what God uh, has uh, planned to do and being available for Him to do that work. And when we pray, God, would you work in this world? Well, my friend, that's not for God to just come and, and figure out and, and, and do things without, uh, without using men. God wants to use you. When you pray, God, work in this world, that means that you need to be available uh, for the Holy Spirit to work through you to go and reach the lost and be a part of that plan. Sometimes we, we separate uh, prayer, <laughs> praying to God, with personal responsibility. It's kind of like we're putting it on God. Well, God, you need to do a work. God, you need to send revival. God, you need to, uh, you need to, you need to reach the lost. God. Well, who did God leave here to do these works? Left us here to do it. And so uh, let's submit to God's plan. And, 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 and yet the Jews didn't want that. They didn't like it. They didn't like the, uh, the, uh, the people from Tyre and Sidon. And the same can be said about Syria. You see where he talked about the lepers? We had uh, Naaman came from Syria. And the, the whole region of Phoenicia, that whole Syrophoenicia area, um, was a dirty, sinful, Gentile place. Remember how Jonah ran from God? God had called him to preach where, my friend? Nineveh, Assyria, now again a little bit further east even, but those people were wicked. The Assyrians were, were just despised by the Jews because of what had been happening to them. Hey, there's, people, there's people, groups that maybe we don't even care for all that much. There's people that have done things to you. And sometimes we get, uh, we all have, by the way, we all have uh, preconceived ideas. We all have prejudices. We're born with prejudices. We all have a worldview. You're born thinking, uh, or or it's programmed or uh, taught uh, certain ways of thinking, okay? Because of what you've been exposed to and what you've heard and and what your parents were exposed to and the generation that you grew up in, the people that you ran with. We all have these prejudices. And there's people groups that, you know, if we were honest, there's certain people... I don't really want to be around those people. But who did Jesus come to save? But Jonah ran from God when he was called to preach in Nineveh. It wasn't because he didn't want to preach. It's because the Bible tells us that lest they repent, (laughs) he didn't want them to get saved. Sometimes we think some people are less than worthy of God's salvation. That's a very dangerous place to be, my friend. Because we are all less than worthy of God's salvation. So Jesus' message was not (laughs) that the Messiah has come to inflict punishment. Of course, he's coming in judgment. In a sense, we we know judgment is coming. We're so thankful for God's grace in this time. God is giving the world an opportunity to turn to him and repent. Judgment is coming, but Jesus wasn't coming to condemn the world. The world's already condemned. He came to bring salvation to all people. And so uh, that that message of the Messiah not to come and inflict uh, punishment on all of these uh, wicked nations that had oppressed the Jews. Think think again. You're in the first century here, uh, or end of the uh, end of the 
First century BC, beginning of the first century AD, we've got uh, Jewish people that are under the Roman occupation. They're being oppressed by uh, nations around the world, of course. Uh, we've been studying the book of Daniel. We see the Babylonian and the Persian and the Greek, and now we're all the way down to the Roman Empire in Jesus' day. And uh, these people have been, uh, have been just kind of oppressing the Jews. Uh, the, the Syrians and the Canaanites and the, uh, the Phoenicians and all these other areas of, of the world had come to oppress the uh, the Jews <laughs> and uh, here they are thinking that Jesus is going to be the human deliverer to get them out of this uh, this bad situation and to make all of the wrongs right in the world uh, because of course these are God's people <laughs> these, why would God uh, uh, allow other people to to enjoy the blessings that were reserved of course only for the Jews this is their mindset. Uh, they're not thinking the way that you and I probably think in a sense. Got to go back. But here they are, uh, Nazareth. Here are this punk kid in a sense. He's coming and telling us that he's been appointed to bring salvation. And, uh, and it's not just for the Jewish people. He's going to go to other places and, and, and do these miracles and do these great things. Why isn't the Messiah coming to to make all the wrongs right in the world? But the Messiah came to bring the nations God's love and mercy. That's the central theme of Israel's own scriptures. (laughs) But they didn't even see it that way. They don't look at it that way. Jesus' claim, uh, he claimed to be reaching out with healing to all people. And that's what most first century Jews did not want to hear Go with me to Luke 4, and we'll go back to verse 19. I want you to read it again. It's also in Isaiah 61, verse 2, if you want to write that down. But verse 19 of Luke 4, He came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And I'm going to read you, and I don't do this all the time, but I'm going to read you what a commentator says, because I think it's good. Barnes wrote about this passage. He says, the time when God... What the acceptable year of the Lord means is the time when God is willing to accept uh, is willing to accept people or to receive sinners coming to Him. The gospel assures us that the guilty may return, and that God will graciously receive them. There is perhaps here an allusion to the year of Jubilee, the fiftieth year when the trumpet was blown and throughout the whole land of Israel. There. They, Proclamation was made of the liberty of Hebrew slaves, of the remission of debts. Of course, that is commentating on Isaiah 61. But this parallel passage here, they have the idea of of a jubilee, the acceptable year of the Lord. But this phrase, the acceptable year, means the time Messiah would come to proclaim universal liberty. Liberty to all the world from the degrading servitude of sin. See, the year of Jubilee, they would let the captives free. They would, they would, uh, they would forgive all the debts. It was an awesome time, every 50 years. And uh, this, okay, is not just a Jubilee for the Jewish people. This is the acceptable year of the Lord for all people. This is the time of Jubilee when Jesus would come he lived, but he died on the cross. He was buried for three days, three nights, and he rose from the grave. And it was the time where all nations would have the opportunity to come and receive forgiveness from the bondage that plagued all people. 
and they didn't like that message. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Does it inspire or frustrate you that Jesus loves and invites all people, not just the people who are like you? Does that bother you that Jesus is accepting of all people? He forgives all people. He understands all people. Let me ask you a question. What if you got to heaven? Just think about this hypothetical question. What if you got to heaven and you got to see Jesus and you look at Jesus and he looks exactly like that person or those people that you don't particularly care for? Wouldn't that be a real shock? You might be saying, Pastor, that's not me. I care about all the people. Well, praise the Lord for that. I'm glad you do. But it's, it needs to go beyond accepting. Uh, and maybe accepting is not the right word because that word has been really uh, misunderstood. We don't affirm sin of any person. We're not open to that in this church, okay? Because if you come as a sinner and you just are accepted as a sinner and just continue, we affirm that and that's okay, well then what's the point? Jesus came to set us free. Not so that we could feel good about being in bondage, okay? But what I mean by accepting, we should be accepting of people as they are, where they are, and willing to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because Jesus died for them too. And it is a wicked doctrine for somebody to come. There's a wicked teaching out there right now that says that homosexuals cannot be saved. <laughs> what do they do with all the homosexuals that have been saved? Okay. I asked somebody that one time that was teaching that doctrine. And they said, well, uh, that person that got saved that was homosexual, they weren't really committed, a committed homosexual. So I'm like, so you really don't know who the reprobates are and who they aren't. Because they take a, a scripture out of Romans chapter 1 and twist it really badly. But Jesus came to save all people. And I believe if somebody is taking a breath in this world, God is willing to save even them. It doesn't matter who they are, what they look like, where they come from, what they smell like, what they're wearing, how rich they are, how poor they are, how tall they are, how short they are. Jesus died for them. They have a soul, and their soul is just as important to God as your soul is. And we really need to repent of this. If this is, I think all of us, again, we all have prejudices. We're born with prejudices. We think certain ways about people, and maybe that those, those thoughts are true about them, but it doesn't really matter if it's true or not because Jesus died for them too, and we should get excited about the universal, uh, the universal love that God has and the, opportunity, the universal opportunity that God gives to all people to receive uh, salvation. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave to who? The world. His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he wants that for all people. And so may we be motivated and stirred a little bit this morning to care more about people and to see them the way that God sees them. And, uh, you know, as, as the Bible says about Jesus, greater love hath no man than this, than that a man lay down his life for his friends. But I'm going to submit to you this morning that Jesus did not only lay down his life for his friends, he laid down his life for the person that was plucking his beard out, the person that uh, nailed him to the cross, the person that uh, shoved the spear into his side. And again, those guys were just doing their job. <laughs> How about the people that knew who he was? They were the, the religious crowd. 
They knew the scriptures. Yet their, their greed for money and power caused them to, uh, to, to murder him in essence. They signed his death warrant. They said, uh, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Give us the sinner. You take the Savior. You take Jesus, supposed Messiah, king of the, or said he was the king of the Jews. Boy, they hated him. But Jesus died for them too. And if Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, can't we do just something for those that, uh, that are in our workplace that might be a hair bit hostile towards us and might uh, live in our neighborhood and are a bit hostile and, and maybe aren't exactly like us and maybe don't uh, think the same way that we do and maybe they didn't vote for who we voted for in the last election and maybe they're just kind of nasty and people are a little bit on edge right now because of the election and the pandemic and all of these things going on. But it, does it really matter at the end of the day when they're dying and going to hell and going to burn there forever? Because I'm going to tell you right now, the way we think about it, if it's the wrong way, it's going to change a whole lot when we get to heaven. We're going to get, get to heaven and we're going, to, we're going to be in full realization of, wow, I didn't see it this way. I didn't see how much you loved them, Jesus, and I didn't see how wicked I was. Be good for us to evaluate that just for a little bit. How much did God, does God love you? I think about the, uh, that one that, that loved Jesus so much. And, uh, and uh, they said, why, is she, why did she love him so much? Because she'd been forgiven of so much. Why did she love him? Why did, why did uh, those that came to Jesus, the sinners and the harlots and the, uh, the publicans and the drunkards, why did they love Jesus so much? Because they knew how wicked they were. They had, see, they had seen it, but they had experienced the, uh, the, the, the end of the line where they didn't receive satisfaction from that thing that they were looking, for, uh, looking to find hope and, uh, and happiness and joy from alcohol and all of the other sins that they were involved in. They had seen where it led them and how it didn't really satisfy. But not only that, they were told by everyone in society how wicked they were. They knew they were sinners, but they were so thankful how Jesus came to forgive them. And Jesus received them, whereas the other religious people, they didn't receive them. May we not be like the Pharisees this morning. May we be more like Jesus and, uh, and understand where people are coming from or at least try to empathize in a sense because if we see how wicked we are, it'll help us to love other people in this society who are very wicked. Where many churches sit in judgment of people, may we not be accepting of the sin, but may we be accepting of the sinner and not be known as a church of, well, they're just... They're very judgmental. They're very legalistic. It's all, all about crossing the T's and dotting the I's and, and, uh, and walking the straight and narrow and all those things. Of course, it's important to be pleasing to the Lord. We're supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be uh, seeking to, uh, to live for God. But may that not cause us to uh, only focus on how, uh, how good we're doing in our Christian walk and only focus on that where we're not even seeing the great needs that are all around us of people that are are, 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 are the castaways of society, the dregs and the, the homeless and the, and the drunkards and all the people that are, 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 are walked over and forgotten about. May that, when we see them, may it cause us to have a compassion towards them. There's plenty of people out there that are not 
fully right up here. <laughs> we saw one last Sunday, and uh, I think it was last Sunday, and uh, out soul winning. And I was a bit in a quandary about what to do because you were talking to Didn't really know how to approach that situation. But may God prick our hearts to have love for those that are not quite all there up here because they still have a soul. God still loves them. God didn't make a mistake when he created anybody, okay? Sometimes we look at somebody and we say, wow, uh, you know, because they're not exactly like us. And we don't exactly relate to them or whatever it is. And sometimes we start thinking that uh, we're better than them. God didn't make a mistake in creating anybody. When we look at somebody and we say that's a deficiency or that's something that, you know, they're not what we are and they're not how we are and many times we're tempted to think that way, may we not, may we not think that way. May we think like the Lord. May we think like God. And God didn't make a mistake in creating anybody. You should love people. Let's go ahead and, and close in a word of prayer this morning. Let's stand to our feet as we pray. Lord, I do pray that you bless this time. Short invitation. May we see that your redemption story was not just involving Jewish people, but Lord, you came to save everyone. We thank you for your chosen people. We don't, we don't despise anybody. You, you, and, and you used um, the Jewish people to do something great. And you still have a plan for them. We know that. But it's through them that we see that we are able to be saved. Thank God for that. Lord, I thank you for that. You, you opened up your mercy to all people. And the gospel went forth. In fact, it was commanded. <laughs> it wasn't just going to be, well, if other people hear about it, then yeah, I guess they can be a, be a Christian too. Or they can be saved. But in fact, you commanded the Jews, <laughs> the Jewish apostles, to go and take the gospel to all people. We thank you for that. We do pray that you would help us uh, to not keep this to ourselves. And Lord, I know many times we do have a burden for other people, but we just don't know how to help. We don't, we're maybe not equipped how we should be. Lord, help us to get into the word and to be faithful to the church meetings and to be faithful just to go and go out. Many times we don't think that we can go be a soul winner, but Lord, we know that if we would just be faithful to go, you would go with us. It would inspire us to study more and to care more and to do more for, uh, for the souls of other people. But Lord, we can't do that until we take that first step of faith and just go and obey what your word says five different times uh, to go and make disciples. And Lord, I do pray that you would bless this time of, of prayer. May we, um, may we just confess things to you if we need to. And ask you for help. We ask you for grace today. Lord, you, you, you will give us grace, um, supernatural power to do what we're supposed to do. I pray that you bless.